0: The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with yet another trailblazing innovator whose company is doing some amazing things. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Shaharis, the founder and CEO of Hackernest. Shaharis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for making the time today. Before we start a discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Sure thing. I
1: am the founder and CEO of Hackernest. This is a nonprofit organization and movement that builds local technology communities around the world. My background personally stems actually in economics and international relations, which I did in school. But I've taken quite a number of different turns in terms of careers. So I've done private equity finance. I've done advertising. I've done software development and a little bit of showbiz work here and there and (laughs) ended up in nonprofit.
0: Good deal. And then if you could give us a 10,000-foot overview of Hackernest, what do you try to accomplish?
1: So when I say that we build tech communities around the world, it's really about local technology events that are designed to help drive economic development. We believe that The more people we get into tech, the more money we help them make, the more food we put on the table. If so, fact, the world becomes a better place. The driving factor here is really technology because it is hands down the most profitable bang for buck industry you can be in. Doctors make a lot of money, but you need X number of years of med school to get into it. With the Internet and technology, really all you need is a laptop, a connection to the Internet, and you can actually learn everything that you need online to build a million-dollar business. This is doable.
0: Outstanding. I have to tell you that the first 20 years of my career, I lived in cities like Dallas and San Francisco and Boston, and now I live in Alabama, and I'm very jealous because my friends in those bigger cities participate in these things called hackathons, and I don't get to because we don't have them here in Mm -hmm. Alabama yet. Could you tell our audience what a hackathon is?
1: Hackathons are software and hardware development competitions that are usually orientated around a particular set of challenges or themes. So, for example, I guess the most popular hackathon that we've ever run, Hackronus is Dementia Hack. And this was a hackathon to help develop products for people who have dementia and their caregivers. Dementia is an umbrella term that is used to describe the suite of neurocognitive disorders that affect memory, processing speed, etc. So, our whole logic behind this was that generally speaking product marketers don't really care about building products for the elderly they want to build for teens tweens and yuppies not 65 year old grandma who has a bit of a memory problem it just doesn't happen so hackathons can be used to galvanize technology communities around topics that aren't very popular and give them new life so new products for folks with dementia
0: outstanding what are some other creative ways to use a hackathon
1: it's a really great way of internal innovation so if you have a company And you're super well established, you got 50, 100 employees, however many it is. A lot of times you've been doing business the same way for decades, right? Right. With the changes of technology, with the changes of people and new ideas emerging forward, it's kind of difficult to allow your employees the space to say, hey, you know what, I think I have an idea for how we can improve this process. Jamming a hackathon together and getting people from an interdisciplinary background, so you're going to take people from finance, you're going to take people from marketing, pull in the developers, pull them all together and be like, hey, what are the major problems that we have as an organization and how can we make things better? You'll be surprised at what you find because typically people who have some great ideas might have gone unheard for quite a while. This helps bring creativity to the forefront and helps make things more efficient. It's a fantastic way for industries to innovate in general. It's great in terms of public relations and press, just because being associated with a hackathon makes you immediately more innovative and more attractive to developers who usually
0: people are looking for talent. Absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of the side benefits besides just the innovation that happens. It's the networking, recruiting. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of that and how it really does happen.
1: So. The recruiting side of things I think is probably the most popular in in terms of what people sponsor for, and that's because you get a slice of – you get a really good look at what someone is like under situations of extreme pressure because usually a hackathon can be 24 to 48 hours, and – Coming up with a workable product demo or solution within this time frame is incredibly stressful. So seeing what people perform like under pressure is a huge plus. Hackathons tend to pre-qualify all the participants as people who really love what they do. Because if you didn't love doing this, why would you hang out for 24 to 48 hours to work on a particular topic? (laughs) And, And it's people who love to learn and it's people who thrive in a team environment. Very, very rarely do you find a solo hackathon winner it's usually teams of two to five. So yeah, this is liquid gold for a recruiter because this is somebody who you know can deliver on deadline, who you know can work in the team, and you know is competent and is able to pull off what they say they can pull off, and you'll see that in the demos.
0: As a lifelong consultant who's worked with technology companies that really just have difficulty thinking of creative things, I'm sure that only after five minutes of talking with you here, we could talk with any technology company in Alabama and think of a great reason to have a hackathon that at least 100 people would want to go to. Is that what you're finding? (laughs) Absolutely.
1: So, Hackernest used to run commercial venture hackathons. Like, for example, we we, we did Deloitte Canada's very first hackathon in Canada, and that was fun. But... When we realized how much work, time, and effort, and it takes usually about three months of, of, of careful planning if you want to populate a public hackathon, um, and, and marketing as well. When we realized the amount of work that we're pouring into things and we saw where the benefit was going, benefiting a corporation, fantastic. You're helping everyone who works at that company get a little bit better. But what we wanted to do is really focus on socially beneficial things, things that would live beyond the hackathon and things that would help drive social impact. For example, we're going to be doing a hackathon with Grindr in September of this year called Grindr for Equality, or at least that's the working name. We're not sure what the final name will be. And the idea is that it's a hackathon orientated around LGBT issues.
0: Outstanding. I love it. What are some of the current trends around hackathons, the purpose, rationale? What's really driving those community organizations to say, we're going to spend the three months it takes of hard work to produce one?
1: Hackathons are really expensive, and people don't realize this. When people think of hackathons, it's usually, oh, I get a bunch of Red Bull, I get a bunch of pizza, (laughs) I jam some nerds in a room, put Ethernet cables around, everyone's got a laptop, and we're good. That is the expenditure for the hackathon. Food is expensive. Food is very expensive. Space is expensive. Insurance is expensive. Security is expensive. Furniture rental is expensive. And people usually get a lot of sticker shock in terms of the price of hackathons. That said, you can run a hackathon for... $35,000 or you can run a hackathon for $180,000. It's really easy to go depending on the size and scale and scope of what you're doing. In terms of why people run hackathons, it's usually a big PR push. There is some cause that a company will care about that they want to work on and what will end up happening is I think a great synergy between getting people who are interested in the cause and people who would be benefiting from said cause in a room together and producing products. In terms of trends, what's really popular in the hackathon world right now is the pressure cooker model. And this is where you see people in a room for 24 to 48 hours usually, and they code, code, code. And at the end of the day, after a lot of sleep deprivation, after a lot of jagged edge nerves, people end up doing super stressful demos, which, of course, when you're super high in the adrenaline, seem like they're okay, but really, it's kind of unhealthy. So the original hackathons that were super long, I think the industry is going to start moving away from that soon just because I don't really want to think about somebody who's just gone through a 24-hour hackathon driving home the next day, right? Like that's just, it's unhealthy. So what I think industry is tending towards now are several week-long sprints that emerge in demos leading up to the actual hack slash demo day.
0: Perfect. Very interesting. You mentioned dementia hack, and that's actually how I came to know you is we're doing I don't know if i call it a series, but several interviews on our show about Alzheimer's and dementia and the combination of my interest in hackathons and my interest in Alzheimer's connected. And I really wanted to talk to you. Tell us about how Dementia Hack came about and maybe some of the high points of what you've achieved through that.
1: In 2014, the British government approached us and said, hey, Hackroness, you guys run hackathons. We've heard good things. We would like to do a hackathon around dementia. We would like it to be 20 people And at least twenty people, and we would like to have at least three projects. We ended up giving them around one hundred and forty people and twenty projects. So blew that one out of the water for for a first pass. But it it was really cool because this was one of the prime minister's initiatives back in the day, and what we formed around Dementia Hack was a, a very different model of doing hackathons. Most hackathons are kind of fire and forget. It's hey, let's hype, hype, hype around this particular topic or theme. Let's have a weekend where people are super excited and coding and working on things. At the end of 24 or 48 hours, however long it is, someone gets a prize, everyone cheers and claps. But then the next day, everything goes back to normal. People go back to their regular lives, their school, their work, and nothing really survives past the weekend. We don't like this because it feels like we've just burned three months on something that won't continue. So we try and build in a lot of pathways to success. So, like, for example, the winners get meetings with key decision makers in the industry, with investors that we line up. The winning team from 2014 is going into clinical trials this year in an institution called Providence Healthcare here in Toronto, which is kind of unheard of. Wow. The winners from the 2015 dementia hack, they moved to the U.K. because of the support that we got from the U.K. trade and investment arm of the government wow. and decided to ship over. So we try and build pathways for success so that the hackathon isn't a waste of time.
0: One of the major accomplishments of hackerness was that you got Facebook and poor governments to sponsor Dementia Hack. How the heck did you pull that off?
1: It was a combination of luck, obnoxiousness, and persistence. <laughs> we actually chased after Facebook to sponsor the very first Dementia Hack, And this was very haphazardly put together because we were given like a one month deadline on when the hackathon had a set in stone date and we were super unprepared. So I rushed and I was like, hey, I know that this is inappropriate. It's three weeks away from a hackathon. Can you please sponsor us? And Jordan Banks is the managing director of Facebook Canada. And he said, you know, this is a great topic. I would totally support it. You're not giving me enough time. Tell you what, go run this hackathon now. Come back to me with the results and show me what you've accomplished and i will consider possibly sponsoring this next year so i did exactly that we recorded every single demo from the 2014 dementia hack and i took those and walked over to jordan banks's office and i said hey this is what we've built this is what we've done you can see that it was a pretty stellar success from everyone walking away super inspired from it let's work together and that is i guess that's how it happened I think the way that I actually got Jordan's attention initially was he was giving a talk at a university, and I was one of the audience members. And in the Q&A period, I was like, Hi, Jordan, can I talk to you for two minutes after your panel? And uh, (laughs) it was kind of a lot of social pressure. So if he had said no, he would have looked kind of like a jerk. So that's the bit of obnoxiousness that got us Facebook. And I think after that, just leveraging the Facebook name, when we were approaching governments, the British government, I mean, already gave us a ton of credibility, which made it really easy to get the Canadian government and the Ontario government and the city of Toronto municipal government on board. But it's really leveraging on your wins. So the way that I would go through anything is find a really big anchor sponsor slash supporter or client, right? And then using their name as a push for credibility, use that to get everyone else. So like if I, for example, were selling software to universities, I would pay money to Harvard Pay them money to use my product and give me a good testimonial so that I could use that to go to every other university in the world and say, hey, if it's good enough for Harvard, it might be good enough for you, too.
0: Absolutely. What philosophies can you share on project and startup success and growth? How to nab clients, leadership, decision making, all the stuff you help with with HackerNest? So I
1: think that a lot of times people confuse the notion of leadership with decision-making. People think that, yes, leadership is good decision-making, but it's not just good decision-making. It's about anyone can luck out. On a 50-50, should I turn left or should I turn right? You can luck out, you have a 50% chance of being right, and then if you pick the right path, you pick the right path. Is that actual leadership? I kind of don't think so. I think leadership is defined when you pick the wrong thing and how you adapt to screwing up. Being able to say, hey, you know what? We made the wrong decision. We made the best decision at the time with the information that we had at hand, but it turned out not to be right. So I'm going to take accountability and responsibility for that, and let's figure out a way that we can fix things and get back onto the right path. So I think that is really important in terms of startup success. I think a lot of people are so focused on making the right decision that they lose sight of things. And a lot of times, people are kind of paralyzed by optionality. I'm scared of making the wrong decision, so I make no decision, which in the end is really the wrong decision. Better to make a wrong decision and then fix it later than to make no decision at all. That's my thought process on that. And around startup success and whatnot, I think that people want to go after big fish a little too soon. I think that in general, if I were doing a startup, which I kind of am, my philosophy would be to prove small and then go big. Say you're running hackathons. Don't Start out of the gate trying to run a 500-person hackathon. Run a 50-person hackathon. Prove that you can do that so exceptionally well that the next time you do this, you have no fear because you're like, yep, I know I can do this for 50 people. I know I can do this for 200 people. Start small and prove that and get lots of testimonials, get lots of social proof, and then from there, build up and go bigger and bigger and bigger, not just hit it out of the park day one.
0: Great advice. Thank you for that. What's next for Hackerness? What do you have planned for the remainder of 2016?
1: We have, a, we have another dementia hack happening in November. We have the Grinder for Equality Hackathon working name happening in September. And we're actually doing a poetry hack in July with Startup Fest in Montreal. So this is a, this is a two-hour light introduction to hackathons and what it feels like to participate in a hackathon for people who don't code. So if you've ever been curious about what you know, hackathoning was all about, instead of writing lines of code, you're going to write lines of poetry. And I, I think it'll be a nice, fun exercise for people to you know, get their feet wet without necessarily needing to sit through a 24-hour hackathon. So that's pretty cool.
0: That is cool. We
1: have, we have a project with the White House. We're working with the Executive Office of the President on their Opportunity Project. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually allowed to disclose what that is, but I can say that it's happening. So
0: that's pretty cool. Awesome. Very cool. We're about to wrap it up here for today. Before I let you go, where can people go to contact you and learn more about Hackernest? Hackernest.com is
1: where we live, and on all social media channels, it's just Hackernest. So H-A-C-K-E-R-N-E-S-T. Yeah, pretty easy to find us. We'll be soon coming to a city near you. So
0: <laughs> Good deal. And you can find the cities they're already in on that website. Go out there and check them out right now. Mm-hmm. Shaharis, it was so great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great wisdom with us today. Joe, thank you so very much. This is a great interview. Oh, thank you. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Joe Harris, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.